Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the second of a new series where 9320 contributors cast their gaze beyond the Etihad, namely to our rivals. Who doesn't get the credit they deserve? Which fan base makes you question whether you're at the very epicentre of an elaborate hoax? Which manager leaves you stone cold? Answering these queries today and many more, we have with us the Big Chief and on occasion Big Bert, it's A-san. Hello, sir. How are you? Morning, Steve. I'm very well. How are you? I'm I'm very good. Yeah, it's good weather, which helps, doesn't it? Although, actually, I'm sure you've got good weather out there. <laughs> it's perpetually good weather where I am. <laughs> we don't do weather updates from Ibiza. Yes. That's all anyone's talking about around here the last couple of days. Oh, isn't it lovely? Oh, isn't it unseasonal? <laughs> but, yeah, I'll go along with it. it. It does brighten the mood somewhat. Um, speaking of brightening the mood, are you looking forward to this? I am, actually. I, I really, really genuinely, thoroughly enjoyed the episode that you did with Howard last Thank week. You. And I realized that we never really talk about, we always talk about the rest of the league within the context of any given match week and mm. what the state of the table is, rather than looking at it more generally Um and sort of looking at rivalry. And I just, I really enjoyed the conversation that you had with Howard because it felt like a wider conversation about rivalry and how we feel both about other teams and other fan bases. Yeah, there was two things what came out of my chat with Howard what I found really intriguing. The first is how big a part uh, geography plays in things, mm, which I absolutely. guess is an obvious point, but it's still interesting to what degree that was true. And also, obviously with some clubs, it's lifelong how you feel it's entrenched mm. from a very early, you know manchester united let's be honest um but how others have just kind of crept into our kind of consciousness like arsenal being a prime example um and i found that fascinating too so let's get to it then and on that note really because i mentioned arsenal there let's throw liverpool into the equation too um out of the two of them who would you least like to win the league this season liverpool why because i don't like them I, I think so far. Go on. <laughs> I, I think I think that um, I had never really encountered the idea of Scouse exceptionalism until um, really the seventeen eighteen season when they. It's funny because I think that one of the one of the one of the things that has happened in the last decade is that at the very top you don't really get to know about a club and a fan base until they get embroiled in a title race. Yes, and they, and, they, and that's, that's, when, that's when things begin to come to the fore. And I had never really, you know, even if you go back to the Brendan Rodgers season, um, I hadn't really understood what Scouse exceptionalism was. Um, and the last sort of four years, uh, it, I, I've I've fully become aware of it and it is you know probably the most i mean look so there's two ways of looking at it if you're a scouser cool i bet you love it i think that there is definitely something to be said whoever you support for thinking that you're special and thinking that you're different mm. um but how that is then reflected outwards into the wider watching world um is i guess what we're talking about and the way that the way that Liverpool reflect out what the club is and what they are is just insufferably arrogant. Like mm. I just, I don't really, 
I don't really think that, I think that they believe a lot of the things that they say, which I think is quite scary. Because, <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, it's like, so, so it's like this idea that, you know, it, we've, as City fans, we've heard it so much over the last three years is that like, well, if you've got the best goalkeeper in the world and you've got the four best defenders in the world and you've got the three best midfielders in the world and you've got the three best forwards in the world, why haven't you won every trophy? Yeah. And also, why are you complaining about how much money City have spent? Because if you've got better players in every position, it doesn't really matter how how much money City have spent because you've spent your money better. Yeah. And so there's that sort of, we are the best at everything, and at the same time, it, nothing is fair, and we've been cheated out of everything. And that's just completely, it's just really insufferable. So, yeah. And also, like now, now that we know that Kloppo's going at the end of the season, wow. You, you oh, know, the really, farewell tour is going to be insufferable. See you later. Like, mm -hmm. that's not really even a question anymore. Who would you rather win the league? I think I'd rather the Rags won it than the Scouts have won it this season. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, just kind of a proper stuff, but I saw it the other day and it's, it's in my head and I've got to get out there. It's hilarious. There's a video out on Twitter of a girl, I would say in her early twenties, Liverpool top on, Liverpool flag in the background, you know, doing a doing a video. And she talks in a very kind of crystal clear, you know, kind of home counties accent. Quite quite posh sounding girl. And she's saying, We're scouts, not English. I've I've seen it. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I know that every fan base has that element. Of course they do. You know, City will have. They'll have the kind of individuals who are going to put a video out and, and you're just going to laugh at it. But that is something else. And, and it, it just shows how that degree of propaganda that emits from the club and from the manager and, and, and all the rest of it, that has an impact. And then when, when it's took on by the majority, then, you know, people on the fringes, the peripheral supporters they also get caught up in it. And so you can get talking to a part-time Liverpool fan and the things that he says, you think, wow, mm. it's, that's more arrogant than, you know, a regular match-going supporter of, let's say, City, who have won the league multiple times in recent years. It, mm. It's staggering. It really the, one thing I would, the one thing I would say, um, maybe to be a little bit contrary, um, is I do think that, like, so I, I think that if Liverpool exist at one end of the spectrum, then I sometimes feel as though City fans exist at, at the other end of the spectrum, and I don't think that's a good thing either. Right. And what I mean by that is that I don't think that, like, I don't think that Scouse idea of we've got the best of everything and we are the best at everything is the right way to go. But I oftentimes sort of, I'll see conversations online or, you know, I'll have conversations with, with fellow City fans and they're so negative about everything that, and it's kind of a generational thing that particularly with, with uh, my generation and, and above that, you know, they're just, they'll see the worst in everything. And yeah. I don't think that that's, Considering where we are as a club, I don't think that's particularly healthy either. So a good example of that would be Klopp announces that he's leaving, right? And immediately you've got loads of City fans going, well, you know, it's going to be just as bad for us when when Pep goes. And it's right, like, yeah. and, and, and my immediate reaction is we're a completely different football club with a completely different structure and a completely different setup. And so, no, it won't be exactly the same. You know, we, we, like there, there isn't a... 
there's like an assumed thing, right? That when Pep goes, City will drop three places in the league immediately just because Guardiola's gone. And to contrast that with Liverpool, the Scousers right now, they feel that their their general narrative is Klopp's leaving the club in such a healthy position that it almost doesn't matter who takes over. <laughs> we'll stay competitive. So you see what I mean about the two extremes? And so I think that, not that I'm saying that we should be more like Scousers, not at all, but there is definitely something to be said for being a bit more bullish about who you are and what you are. Well, we're going to return to that very shortly, actually, in a kind of an extension of what you're talking about. Um, But before we do, it's kind of a lead-up question to that theme, Mm -hmm. which is something we we have to kind of hold our hands up here and, and admit that Arsenal and Liverpool have an illustrious history. So do we, so do Manchester United. When it comes to history, there are clubs that you can look back on and it's strewn with silverware. You know, Liverpool have had... 20 years of dominance in our lifetime. Arsenal, you can go right back to the 1930s and Herbert Chapman and the rest of it. Um, But that history became a burden, I think, to both clubs at different times. Um, And we can even bring Wenger into it as well and how Arsenal struggled to cope after Wenger. Um, It bred entitlement in the fans, but also it similarly set levels that were just impossible to reach again. for a short time, at least in Arsenal's case, and and a longer period for Liverpool, are we seeing that happening to United right now? Is is history part of their problem? So, I think history. I think the the way that you've defined history, um, which actually what you're effectively what you're saying is uh, a history of success. Yeah, that is yeah. greater than other clubs. Yeah. I think that's only a burden. I don't think that there is anything particularly positive about carrying that around on your back because ultimately you will own the only place where you win is when you win everything. Everything that isn't winning is just failure mm. and it's failure that is reflected back through the, I guess, as you say, the burden of what has come before you. United, you're right, are a great example, right? Man United right now can't buy success. Who'd have thought that a decade of throwing money at something will not allow you to buy success? And I think the the majority of that just comes down to the magnifying glass that their history brings to everything that they yes. do. Yeah. Every 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 action that they take is viewed through the prism of this is Man United. And when people say this is Man United, what they mean is this is Man United of the 90s and the 2000s. Exactly Except that. it yeah. isn't. Yeah. Except it isn't because for me, and I've, I've always felt this, that I'm I, maybe I'm different in that I've never viewed football as yesterday. Football is always today and tomorrow. That's what makes it interesting that every season is a new season. Every game is a new game. What came before is completely irrelevant to what happens tomorrow. And so I'm excited by the future. I'm excited by every next season. Whereas I feel as though there's a lot of, or there's some clubs whose supporters 
are kind of so obsessed with the past that they can't really enjoy the the here and now and the future. And I think, you know, to go back to Liverpool for a second, I think Liverpool are a, gr- a really great example of that insofar as they've they've had their most successful era in decades and decades under Klopp. But actually, if you if you drill down a little bit, most of it they've spent pretty angsty and pretty, you know, yeah. stressed out. Yeah. And, and and that's because there's a burden, you know, every game is, it's like, you know, when they're in the title race, it's like every game is the biggest. It's like, keep hearing, I keep hearing this thing. And this goes back to before Klopp, before Klopp announced that he was uh, leaving at the end of the season. Like I kept hearing this thing from scousers of like, you know, uh, uh, every game is the biggest game in our history because we're, we're on for a title. And it's like, you can't live like that, lads. You'll, you will genuinely drive yourselves absolutely. <laughs> yeah insane now maybe people will look at me look at me and go well you're just complacent because you won three of the three of the last four leagues and i'm like well no because i want the four in a row more than i almost wanted the treble in a way because four in a row is something nobody has ever done before right but that doesn't mean that if we lose a game i'm gonna be like oh it's all over or what a glorious failure that was because i know that we'll be back next season and i think that this idea of history it creates a burden which i think stops some clubs fan bases from being able to enjoy the day-to-day and it's almost like a vicious circle that they find themselves in where the media reflects back what the fans think who reflects back what the media think who reflects back what the fans think and it's just this kind of horrible cycle of negativity which comes from, as you say, the burden of history and entitlement. So so let's move on to City then in that regard. So whether it's Pep Guardiola's leaving or whether it's, you know, the the next manager after Pep's successor, at some point City are going to drop. But, you know, gravity has to take hold at some point, Um, or certainly by our own standards. Um, And should City fall back into the pack in five years' time or 10 years' time or 15 years' time, Will the City fan base be able to adjust to that um, or will we go a similar route to Liverpool fans and United fans and really struggle to kind of get used to the idea that we're no longer a really successful football club? Uh, It's a difficult question because I think that it's about generations. I think that our generation will have no problem with glorious failure. We'll we'll bloody love it. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't think, you know, there's this this sort of... uh, I, I have I have this sort of feeling of like I'm as excited for the post Pep world <laughs> yeah. as I am for the, the however long Pep's reign remains. Thanks for listening to the first fifteen minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes, and much more, go to ninety three twenty dot com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.